Three, two, one. I watch Saturday Cast every day. I watch Saturday Cast. I watch Saturday Cast every day. I watch Saturday All right. I'm impressed by your pitch there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. It was a strain. Do you guys know that meme at all? It's like the Pokemon I know, Go I kid. Know the one. I don't. It's yeah. got 82 million views. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, this is Sardonicast. <laughs> I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks. I'm Ralph from YouTube. Yeah. And I'm Alex from IHE. And I'd just love to know how mental Adam must sound if you like took all the clips of the intros from various episodes and just strung them together. Mm. You'd, have, you'd have something interesting there. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like I'm unstable. <laughs> <laughs> So we got some uh we got some movies to talk about, but first we got some some movie related news to talk about. Apparently, Warner Brothers has just signed a a deal for an AI driven film management system. So basically oh, the old shit FMS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shit that we were Robots joking are gonna about make movies, right? a year ago. Is now true. It's like a recurring joke that we make about how companies like are just making movies based on like Google data. Yeah, and like I guess we're more right <laughs> than we thought. Like, yeah, it's it's the natural progression of that kind of thinking. That idea. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. That's how you know what people like. Do you guys want to explain what it is? Oh sure. Do you want me to do it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, qu- I'll quickly read what's irrelevant anyway. <laughs> in, the, in this article from The Hollywood Reporter, their first line is literally, resistance is futile. <laughs> Warner Bros. has become the latest studio to publicly embrace artificial intelligence. The movie division has signed a deal with Synalytic, mm-hmm. I might have read that wrong, to use the latter's AI-driven project management system that was launched last year. It's like analytic, but cinema. Synalytic. Yeah, that's what I've kind of yeah founded so clever <laughs> let's try and break down exactly what it says it's going to do warners will leverage the system's comprehensible data and predictive analysis to guide decision making at the green light stage the integrated online platform can assess the value of a star in any territory and how much a film is expected to make in theaters and on other streams that's kind of like the basic premise then. So it's yeah. a, an AI system that can predict what is going to make the next like billion dollar property slash, you know, c- combination of actors to make. Yeah. So basically, lots of money. green lighting movies will no longer be up to human beings at Warner Brothers. <laughs> It'll literally be an algorithm <laughs> that takes It'll the data of who's yeah. in it and what type of story it is, I guess. And like who's involved or what type of movie it is and be like, it is this year. So this will make this much money. Here's the budget you should give it. Or is it worth it? Or you should release it in 10 years or something like that. It just sounds ridiculous. And although I I do trust computer algorithms to some degree, I don't think that that's a great thing for art. Because all it's going to do is is like... There's there has to be other factors that you're not going to be able to input into that algorithm. You can't put every single detail into the into the algorithm. You're not going to be able to put like how the movie feels, right? Yeah. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Like it, it it's just <laughs> it's it's almost like a really reductive way of looking at art. 
and and not really understanding what art is. It's just a number to these people, and it's so sad because it's everything that we've been making fun of for so long. Do you know what it makes me think of? Have you guys seen that episode of Black Mirror with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard? Where yes. Everyone's kind of ranked on a on a number system. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like taking that idea, but applying it to like a, a business model. So you can imagine like the Rock would have a very high number, like numerical value on his oh yeah you know, star power <laughs> thing. And, like, score. So every fit, like yeah, like they'll take okay, we've got some some property we can use. Like let's plug in the algorithm, see what you know what cast it can fill up. Oh, Kevin Hart. Oh, the Rock. And it's just like every <laughs> film like is going to be predicted that way, at least on the big Hollywood. Kind kind of vehicle projects like that. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it works out. Because who knows? Yeah. Like, it would be hilarious if Warner Brothers just started making much better movies <laughs> after this point. <laughs> yeah. It would be hilarious <laughs> if it was, like, turned out to be the best thing ever. Because there's so many ideas that, that studios have where they look at an IP and they're just like, oh, yeah, the Lone Ranger, that's something. <laughs> like, just throw it out there, and then it just flops, and nobody likes it, and nobody wanted it, and it's just like... Who John Carter. Yeah. It's like, we're, they're they're essentially robots already, the way they think, so I don't know. This might not yeah, be a exactly. big difference. Disney already has an AI behind the scenes. That's how they greenlit, like, all that Lion King. Like, yeah, probably. Yeah, this one's just news. This one's just public. They converted Walt Disney into a computer AI. <laughs> They have his. his I was thinking. About, I was computer. thinking about this earlier, because I knew we were going to be talking about this, and we thought we've joked about this for so long. And this is a tangent, but it will it will sure. come back around and make sense. You know, um, there are those apps you can get for your phone that are like plug-in visual effects, so they can have like a missile shooting off and like crazy stuff that would have yeah, just yeah. been I love insane. <laughs> when from... I was like thirteen, I had tons of those. Yeah, like imagine a kid in like the eighties being handed that, and how like insane that must have been. Like. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking the natural progression of that is like decades down the line, we're going to be able to have these like systems and like AI, like algorithms and everything that can just, they know how to make a movie because there is like a formula to it. And like, it's just like drag and drop, mm. plug and play. Like we're really going there and it's becoming so easier and easier that it really makes me wonder what everything's going to look like yeah. in 50 years even, maybe even, yeah. maybe even before then. There's going to be streaming services that just produce a bunch of, like, robot-produced <laughs> content like that. <laughs> It'll just be, like, a completely AI-manufactured app. It would be up to the limitations of, like, the programmer at that point. Because yeah. we'll start seeing them, and, it, and they'll be hilarious at first. There'll be, there'll mm. be beta versions oh, of yeah. this. You know, you know those... Uh, I, I guess there's some YouTube videos on this, and some of them are absolutely hilarious, where they take... AI programs to basically write a Harry Potter novel based on they feed it all the information of other Harry Potter novels that exist and then they're like okay now make a chapter <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's the funniest shit in the world it's just so ridiculous there's also like uh, some good subreddits where they basically take all the information from other subreddits and other commenters and the titles of posts and the links and etc and there are subreddits that are literally just entirely filled with bots pretending to be subreddits. So there's like subreddit simulator, and then there's <laughs> there's a one with a better algorithm called subreddit simulator GP2 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And some of those posts are just the funniest shit in the world. They're either like nonsensical or just like unintentionally perfect in a way. You, you got to check some of them out. Some of them are really yeah. funny. 
it's like such a stereotype for the most popular influential filmmakers that make these ridiculous movies like Avatar and like the Hobbit movies and all this like Peter Jackson, James Cameron, John Favreau, they're all obsessed with the technology aspect and they're using things like VR already to assist in making their computer animated movies basically. Mm -hmm. So if they're at like the forefront now and we can predict that eventually that stuff is going to be feasible to have in our homes, like what is going to be capable you know, just from someone's basement, effectively, eventually, just because yeah. of the technology advancement. It's really interesting to me. I mean, like, we kind of already have that. It's called Source Filmmaker. <laughs> but it's yeah, I was thinking the about Connect, that, too. Right? That's kind of like mocap. You can use it for mocap, the Xbox Connect. Oh, yeah. These, yeah, true. So people have that. VR is kind of that, too. You can, like, use motion tracking full body in your tracking. house to do, yeah, full body tracking or to just to make something in your house if you want. Yeah. I've known artists who have done that. It's it's cool. It's it's You don't need to be James Cameron to do shit like that. Than yeah. ever. And it's going to be even easier like 50 years from now. So mm -hmm. it'll be great unless it's the, the AI making all the movies. Yeah. I'm just wondering if... So imagine like the most surprise hits of the past 20 years or something. Like whether or not... Avatar is original in concept. It is technically an original IP. Do you think mm -hmm. an algorithm could have predicted that it would be the top-selling movie of all time at the time? James Cameron's Avatar. Because there weren't any, like, really big stars in it. What was the main guy? Like, Sam Worthington? Is that who is Sam that Worthington, is? Yeah. yeah. Zoe Saldana? Nobody knows who that is. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez, yeah. It's like a bunch and of... blue uh, aliens, yeah. anyway. So James Cameron... <laughs> Yeah, it's just technology was the the hype about it. But how do you plug that into the algorithm? How do you how do you input that data? How how can you tell it that yeah, it's like I don't know. a technological like breakthrough? Sold on scale. Yeah, we're getting to a point now where if we see a trailer for a film like Avatar, it's not impressive just based on the technology alone anymore. Because mm -hmm. we have been seeing films like that for well, ever since it came out. Basically, just these huge, ridiculously you know, vast films where you see like everything exploding and just thousands upon thousands of things on the screen at once. Like it's almost like a race for for quality now that, that things are going for. Like there's so much shit being made. The only things that are really of note are the are, are things like cats that are just a complete failure or, <laughs> you know, things that are really good that people are talking about on Amazon Prime or Netflix and stuff like that. Indie stuff. A two four. Well, like the lighthouse, like that had a like a weirdly huge reception in terms of like online, mm -hmm. uh, you know, conversation, which I thought yeah. was really interesting to see. Like that, typically you would never see a response like that from a movie that strange and weird. Yeah, mm -hmm. for like indie movies. Yeah, it is. It is getting better. I mean, like people are becoming more aware of smaller films. It's even more so for the games industry. I feel like the games industry, like indie, is where it's at all of the best mm. games of the year are like indie games <laughs> like fucking second yeah, highest selling game of all time they, is minecraft yeah. and like undertale is a huge hit and like yeah you could you can make an indie game and people will fucking pay attention to it it's a lot more difficult for films but we are getting closer to that point where it is people are mm -hmm. paying attention <laughs> yeah because as soon as you're plugged into that machine and there's just obscene amounts of money like monopoly money on levels none of us could even like even really understand like <laughs> of course like they wind up being these watered down products compared to these risky little films with 
like tiny budgets mm-hmm. in comparison. Yeah, and I, I mean, like at the same time, though, regardless of what happens at the studio level, because it's becoming easier than ever for people to make independent films. I mean, it doesn't really destroy art, even if the studio films are not going to make anything artistic anymore. And that's part of the reason why indie games at this point flourish is because AAA is down the shitter. It's like every AAA (laughs) title is just like absolute dog shit. Every everyone's favorite (laughs) series getting ruined and microtransactions and like one of the most predatory entertainment industries that exists. So people are like, oh, I'll just play Undertale. I'll play Minecraft. (laughs) You know. Mm -hmm. So I mean, yeah, yeah. If if the film industry becomes as predatory, then I think more people will jump ship at the same time. And turn to indies. Yeah, there's always going to be a market for movies made by people. Mm-hmm. So I'm not <laughs> worried. But it's yeah. just sad. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Is it We're, sad? It's just is the, speculation. Is the concept... It's just a little or- Orwellian, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, it doesn't even really affect just the film industry. Like, how long have people been predicting, like, how certain jobs are quickly going to be made irrelevant just by technology advancing yeah like it's already happening around us all the time Mm -hmm. should have learned to code yeah (laughs) all right um there's another uh movie related news thing take it away ralph parasite yeah everyone wants to buy parasite it was between Netflix <laughs> and HBO. They were buying. They were really desperate for it, but yeah. HBO ended up getting it. I think they're going to make it a miniseries. Yeah. But I mean, if it's successful, they'll just make it a series, like they did with um, Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going to happen, and it'll make tons of money because people love Parasite. It's made yeah. over a hundred million dollars worldwide. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm not surprised. That's really cool. Everybody's fucking heard about this movie. The average film goer or the average film lover, I guess, someone who is excited about movies but doesn't necessarily see a lot of foreign or indie titles, those people have heard of this movie and a lot of them have seen it. Like there's there's serious hype around this movie and that's awesome. Yeah. I think that's great. Do you think there's like this craving for like original art? films like that like such a craving that they'd want to see parasite yeah as opposed to all this other crap that's in theaters like cats and a superhero <laughs> movie or whatever it must be yeah people just want to see good movies yeah i'm one now now i'm kind of like playing it back to our earlier conversation that we just had because like it almost seems as though original films with a budget is still happening they're just korean movies <laughs> 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 Like, yeah, wow. the landscape's changed. America is China too. Up a like, bit. there's that movie, The Mermaid, that made hundreds of millions of dollars. It's it probably not good hit. though. Yeah, let's be honest. No, I've seen it. It's okay. Oh, yeah? It's uh, the guy Stephen made Chow, Shaolin yeah. Soccer. Stephen Chow. Yeah, I liked it. It's no, it's no Shaolin Soccer. It's no Kung Fu Hustle. Absolutely, <laughs> but it's not. It's not that. But it's still solid. Yeah. If it, if something's really successful in China, I'm always I'm immediately skeptical about. <laughs> what kind of movie mm. it is because <laughs> they have very different tastes than i do sure yeah i th- honestly i think more people would be jumping on these kind of movies if it was simply just easier for people to get hold of them you know like we always are having problems behind the scenes with movies being released in america and canada but i have to wait sometimes up to like six months for some of these films to be released over here so 
the moment these companies realize that the easier it is for the consumer to get a hold of their their product like the more people are going to be talking about it and the more you know news is going to spread like this like thank mm. god for the internet so we're able to spread our love for things like the lighthouse and parasite and stuff and people are enjoying it because of course they're great you know like the golden globes the director came up and he had his cool oh yeah speech that was spread around and there was a great response to that like yeah there's, there's, there's some good coming from it for sure i'm really proud of my favorite bong He's the best. <laughs> Everyone making articles like a bong hit. Yeah, I think I think what wound up helping him uh, is that he directed a few English language features that were successful enough that mm. people were like, "I like this guy," and then people were like, "Oh, you know, they they see a foreign film, and maybe they might be unsure of it at first, but they know like, oh, I liked Snowpiercer. This is it says it's from the director of Snowpiercer. I think that might have helped mm. actually. Yeah." Yeah. Although I don't think his American films are as good as his Korean films, but still. I also agree, yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be turned into a miniseries and still be fine. My problem is that like a lot of Asian stories being adapted into a North American setting, a lot of the time just don't work as well. And with Adam McKay's name attached to it, it's not sounding great, honestly. I don't really oh, like really? him. Yeah. But the old boy remake was so good. Oh god. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and like the yeah, Death Note remake that. and Ugh. Yeah, just adapted into okay. America. The Grudge Especially remake. Especially Netflix got it. Wow. 2020. Imagine that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really not a big fan of Adam McKay. No, I don't think he's going to make something as good as this film. But it's got like a good basic premise. Yeah. And <laughs> they'll they'll stretch that out. The way this article is written yeah. it it makes it sound like Bong Joon-ho is involved in it. So, yeah, who knows? Which would be great. Might be a producer or something. Maybe he'll direct the pilot. That yeah, that would be, be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say it depends on his involvement, really. Yeah. Like Scorsese directed the pilot for uh, Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Direct, big directors do that mm. stuff. Could definitely be worse. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If Sony yeah. picked it up, maybe it'd be more. Uh... <laughs> I think if Netflix picked it up, I'd be more worried. Yeah. Although HBO recently has been slacking. I don't know. That Game of Thrones season was not the best. Yeah. But I don't know about that Watchmen show. I've heard mixed things. Yeah, same. Yeah. Got a good soundtrack then. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just trying to find... Yeah. Oh, yeah, here we are. <laughs> so people have been making... Uh, like, like obviously, the, the talk about Parasite getting a, a North American... Or, sorry, just American, I guess, uh, remake... It's been a discussion for a while, obviously, because it's a very successful foreign film and people are always pissed off at these American remakes, especially in our <laughs> subreddits. And so people have been making like troll joke article screen caps that are fake that they made before this Adam McKay thing. And so <laughs> just to piss oh, people really? off, there was this one post in the subreddit <laughs> that was like really obviously fake and people downvoted. So I had to scroll a couple pages to find it. It was like Parasite American Remake coming in 2022 from Sony under working title The Job Thief aiming for PG rating. <laughs> Just like <laughs> the Ooh. worst things you could possibly imagine. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> They're saying that it'll include Amy Schumer, Kevin James, 
Ninja and Tana Manjo. <laughs> they'll, they'll play the Kim family. Kevin Hart and Leslie Jones portraying the Park family. It's just like, it's, it sounds so bad, but it almost sounds like it could be true. Like, there's people that could definitely believe this because it's like a lot yeah. of things are just this bad anyway. I just think it's funny that, yeah. that, that is hilarious. people are taking advantage of the situation and knowing just what would piss people off the most. I think that's so funny. I hope it's good. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. It's whether or not it's good. I hope it brings attention to the original and Junho Bong makes a lot of money and is able to solidify himself in the industry more than he already has. I mean, he's probably like the biggest Korean director right now. As much as I love yeah. uh, Park Chan Wook, but yeah, he's uh, really moving up globally which is insane park chan wook tried to do uh, an american movie it wasn't really that successful i still haven't seen it stoker he kind of just abandoned oh, yeah. that whole thing <laughs> didn't he do a miniseries too oh yeah i haven't seen that yet was that him is it the little drummer girl yeah, something like that, that yeah him? that's newer i still have to watch that yeah shit. but i think that's an american thing yeah yeah i'm looking forward to that because that's on my watch list yeah go korea i love korean movies <laughs> yeah you seem to get it. Yeah. Speaking of movies, <laughs> did you guys want to talk about <laughs> 1917? I don't know. I was going to yeah, say like, talk about a movie. I'm going to tie it in <laughs> yeah. somehow, and then I Speaking just couldn't of war, figure out how to do it. These are both war movies. We can like yeah. tie war in. We saw 1917. <laughs> we all yeah. saw it. The new Sam Mendes, the visionary director of some James Bond movies, and. Things We Lost in the Fire, and also American Beauty, which uh, <laughs> is his best movie. Edition as well. Yeah, there's a lot of forgettable ones that he has in there. <laughs> that was okay. I think I remember having seen it. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> Tom Hanks is in it. There's a lot Sounds of rain. Like he's in it. Yeah. yeah. What'd you guys think? I liked it. Um, once I got out of it, I read Ralph's review on Letterboxd, and I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page as him, I think. Um nearly in every way actually mm-hmm. uh, it it's like a what's the best way to describe it like a just like a visceral experience kind of movie where it's all about like the production of it and the just the way it was presented cuz otherwise it's you know fairly by the books kind of stuff that we've seen from films like this before you know world war 1 you know intimate kind of look at the you know just the horrors of it all but mm-hmm. it is through the magnificent kind of set design and the just the thoughtfulness of how they, they put it all together that made it entertaining throughout for me i'm, I'm curious what adam thinks because i know he's yeah. you know, not on the same page as us yeah <laughs> so what you're saying is uh <laughs> without the like w- w- without the technical elements it would re- really just be a basic war movie and nothing else right yeah on a story but, level but it's very surface it level yeah yeah yeah, unfortunately, I I I wanted to see this movie because of the technical elements, and in that way, I just like I couldn't get into it as much as I was hoping to, and I I felt kind of cheated by the marketing in a way because it almost felt like ah, that's interesting the the one sh- shot gimmick didn't really serve any purpose in the movie. 
You know, when you watch a f- film like Birdman, there's there's plenty of uh, tonal and artistic and very much thematic purpose towards presenting a movie in that way. Whereas in this film, I don't really feel like it helped the movie. It didn't help the experience of the movie. And <laughs> kind and, of. Yeah. And when I was watching it, like not only are there so many spots where the places where they would cut it are just so incredibly obvious, but it didn't really feel like a single take movie. And and I let's let's ignore the fact that they just cut to hard black in the middle of the movie that they advertised as being a single take all in one shot appearing or um yeah it appears to be all one take yeah in real time yeah. movie mm-hmm. and i guess it is real time if you count that part because he passes out yeah if you like yeah, trying not to spoil view, much but still. But when i when i go into a movie like that i'm hoping to see something really meticulously coordinated or beautifully shot and by the end of it, I, I see Roger Deakins' name there. I'm like, holy shit, that was Deakins? Like, it didn't really feel like a a movie really? from him that, you know, I I could compare to, to ones where where I've been, like, insanely impressed by it. Like, yes, the, the one-shot, pretend one-shot element makes it slightly better than if it were shot really blandly. But, like, most of the movie, it just it didn't even feel like that's what it was. It's like you you barely notice it at all. I watched it with people that didn't see the marketing and they were like, oh, like I didn't even know that it was trying to be like a one-shot movie. And I, I felt that way watching it. It was really weird. It felt like a really wasted opportunity when that's what the marketing was. That's, that's interesting because I went in completely blind. I hadn't even seen a trailer. I didn't know mm-hmm. anything about any of this marketing. So for me, that, that really wasn't an issue. And I... I I didn't have like the I thought it really came across like it was kind of meticulously shot and put together and the way because it was like every sequence was presented as you know a one effectively mm-hmm. with the hidden kind of cuts in there but even with that there's still like minutes of footage where so much coordination had to be you know sorted out there's two specific points I would say and they got a lot of playtime in the trailer those two scenes yeah <laughs> That's that's right. part of why I feel cheated. Most of it is just two people walking around. Okay, yeah, but I I, I don't really agree with the the Roger Deakins um, like it not really feeling like one of his movies because I I really enjoyed the way um, it was shot more than anything. Yeah, I thought it looked great. I thought it was very clever, especially yeah. a coast or that's that city that's lit at night. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like that all looks amazing. That was incredible. But man, yeah, like you said. On a story level, there's just not a lot going on, really. And it has, like, a lot of those, like, the checklist of war movies. Like, he goes in a basement and he finds, like, a baby and a woman. Yeah. And then he leaves them. He can't eat that. He needs milk. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he happens to have it. So much cheesy bullshit But there wasn't, like, an emotional scene. Yeah. It wasn't, it didn't work, really. The milk thing was definitely the weakest, uh, you know, aspect to me. I didn't really see Mm -hmm. the point in that kind of setup payoff like normally if you're going to do something like that it's for something vital but that one in particular was like okay yeah Yeah. i enjoyed more like the the silent moments or like when there was facial acting like the two main guys just walking around or like reacting to things i thought then they were great it was like the dialogue scenes that i thought were more forced the dialogue was terrible some parts yeah it was super cheeseball there was some like cheesy stuff, but it, that really didn't bug me that much. Do you guys just hate British people? What's your problem? <laughs> yeah, that's it. 
You got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of it felt cheesy because of the music. I, I, think, I was too. about to go yeah, into that, the music. That was my in, in an experience movie, I kind of want to feel like I'm there, and we just saw a film come and see that has a lot of like a lot of moments that are really disturbing and mm-hmm. messed up because of the way it uses sound. And here it was like a very. It wasn't bad music, but it just took me out of the the horror of war. It wasn't great it music. Just felt like, it lacked the intensity. Yeah, it lacked the intensity of what I was watching. Like when he was yeah. running across the battlefield, like bombs are going off. And he's like knocking into people too. So like some people were laughing in the theater. Yeah. And but really? they're playing this hopeful music. And I'm like, if you just let the moment just play out without the music, then people could just kind of read into it however they want. Yeah. The music I thought it would pissed have been me slightly off a better. Lot, actually. Yeah, there were a few moments. It was my least favorite thing about the movie was the the music in particular. Yeah. It was just too much. Like just let like you've already got all the pieces in play and there's enough sort of like to you know visualize and watch like you don't need to play this kind of overbearing music all the time that sounds really familiar to what Newman's done for years now yeah Mm -hmm. you mentioned Road to Perdition and it's a problem I have with that movie too where it's just stop with the music okay like you don't have to tell me how to feel constantly like it helps sometimes but just all the time (laughs) it starts to just become irritating and distract from the scenes. Yeah. yeah. It ruins the moments where they do use it well. There are probably three different points in the movie where I thought the music worked fine. And it was more of like a tonal thing. So when they're getting the orders near the beginning of the movie and the general or whatever his ranking is, is telling them, you got to do this, is t- tell them to stop the battle. The, there's really kind of like tense music going on, but it's not overbearing. There's this, it's very subtle and you can tell it's there and it's helping the tone. It's helping you experience the intensity of what's going to happen. It's got like this kind of foreboding nature to it. And then for most of the movie, it's like, it, it feels so forced. It feels too loud, too overbearing, trying to influence emotions that aren't even necessarily in the film or would be better without the music like as soon as they leave their trench and they're going to uh to the other trench and they're like kind of like walking slowly with their guns out like we're not sure if there's still germans in this trench or whatever walking slowly around and the music's going like and then like this the music stops immediately when they like go around the corner i'm like holy fuck this is the cheesiest shit it's like I, at that moment, I was just like emotionally checked out, and I couldn't get back into it the rest of the movie, no matter how hard they tried. It wasn't just like the single moment that like ruined the movie. If the rest of the movie was fine, then that would be another story. But like the rest of the movie was just basically that to some degree, and I just I couldn't take it seriously, which is just so sad because I was actually looking forward to this. You could even say I wanted to enjoy it, but I <laughs> I just I it was really difficult for me to take seriously the entire time. Everything was just like really overdramatic and cheesy. I really didn't think it was that. I thought there was more positives than negatives for sure. Like, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Adam, but yeah, the, same, the but... positives, like yeah. I think, overweigh that, like mm-hmm. the technical aspect of it. I don't know. <laughs> Music affects me. There, there is something, <laughs> it really yeah, does. there is something tonally off about it too. Cause like it is so staged and it is so precise yeah. and it kind of loses that, 
like war like feeling of that intensity like that saving private ryan which is very quick cut and the high shutter speed and all that i think that's mm-hmm. more visceral than what this is yeah which is beautiful but it's not i'm not getting that same gut punch it doesn't help the movie <laughs> Uh-huh. Like, Dunkirk is, like, the pacing in that is crazy, and the yeah. use of time is, like, very weird, but I found that way more intense. Both the music and the editing in that film help the film. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this just feels like it, it would help a different movie. Why couldn't this be five shots? <laughs> you know, you can have really long takes that are super impressive. It's just, like, is the one-take thing going too far now? Is it just, like, a... We gotta... If you have a long take, it's gonna be good. It just feels contradictory to what the movie is trying to be tonally. Like they're not somewhat the same. It 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 feels like it's different movies trying to be the same movie and just conflicting with each other. That's kind of what pisses me off about it. Is like I was going into this hoping to see some sort of like art film, and then it turned out to be just a really basic war movie with some extra icing on top. That just pissed mm-hmm. me off because if I knew it was going to be that, I wouldn't have bought a ticket. Really not interested in seeing basic war movies, even if there's a little <laughs> bit of icing on top, like Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, I'm really. I not like in- basic war movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm, especially I if they're corny. Than Hacksaw Ridge. I think it's yes. I think it's better than Hacksaw Ridge. A lot of people have a huge boner for basic war movies, and I'm just like, I I can't. I understand that there's I a huge market for it, but I just bar. like, I'm not interested. <laughs> a lot of that stuff just didn't bug me. Like, I kind of liked the simplicity of how it began. I think it did sag later on in the movie, but I did like the way it was like, you just have two characters, they're given a goal, it's really it's a really simple but yeah. difficult to achieve goal, and what, what they have to go through, and it's like a journey movie, it's almost like fucking Lord of the Rings or something, where it's just a tiny group, and they've got to get from A to B, and yeah. you know, all, all the the chaos that's in the middle is really what is the, the interesting part about it, you know? the the one aspect of it kind of enhanced the the journey for me like you really felt like you saw the entire journey of how they got from a to b i think that's what they were going for but you're right it it does sometimes conflict with the visceral nature that like war movies are known for like some of the better ones like you know like come and see you like dunkirk i think that's one thing that film nailed um comparatively Mm -hmm. but I didn't mind like a lot of these things like yeah that they did bug me and they were there but I thought overall the the experience was you know valuable enough because I just think the time period's really interesting and they depicted it in a way that seemed you know fairly true to you know how it would have been with you know all the rats and the misery and mm-hmm. the death and the you know it's very heavy in that sense and you know I, I enjoyed a lot of it yeah when it was clear what the plot was going to be when they got their orders. I was like, hell yeah. I was still on board at that point. And I was I was thinking in my head that the simplicity of it would be something that I was praising. And, I, you know, that that alone mm. is totally fine. The beginning's great. It reminded me of, like, Paths of Glory, how they were walking through the trenches just talking for, yeah. like, 10 mm-hmm. minutes or so. It was very cool. The production design was, once they got out, was great. It started to fall apart. The costumes <laughs> yeah. were great. It's just... At its core, what the movie is, is just so fucking boring and stupid to me. <laughs> and I just, and, and it doesn't matter how much you doll it up with, with this whole one-take gimmick that they betray <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> and, like, it's not really a one-take thing anymore. And it's like, okay, fuck. It's, it's not even pretending you lied to me, Sam Mendes. I, like, it, it's the marketing that pisses me off a bit, too. <laughs> I might have given this 
one point higher if I hadn't seen any of the marketing, honestly. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. When I was watching this movie, at any given moment, any different scene that I was watching, I would think to myself, man, I wish I, wish I was watching blank, and it would be a different movie every time. They're floating down the river, I'd be like, man, I wish I was watching The Revenant. At night, running around and almost getting shot, I'm like, man, I wish I was watching The Pianist. And then other points mm. of the movie, I was like, man, I wish I was watching Dunkirk. It's just every single bit of this movie is just so underwhelming in comparison to great movies that are essentially doing very similar things at any given point in time. There wasn't really anything new that happened in this movie. And so I'm just left wishing that I was watching something better. <laughs> I understand that. It does feel like something that was elevated by the technical execution of it because the story mm -hmm. itself is very lacking. Mm -hmm. But it still it still works, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of like gravity, kind of. I just I wish it was more epic. The trailers made it seem like it was going to be this like hugely coordinated, meticulous like war movie, and then it was kind of for well, like two scenes for like not even ten minutes. It is just on an intimate scale. I think the whole thing is pretty like meticulous and it's just, yeah. it's just them walking for me. most of it yeah but even that was meticulous <laughs> it has its moments like when they're uh in the trench and they're scared by like a, a skull or something that's in the dirt and he dips his hand in some dead body or something that was like kind of slapsticky it was kind of funny kind of but it got a visceral ooh out of me yeah the whole tone of the thing was very almost hacksaw ridgy <laughs> i mean like but... it wasn't like a real war <laughs> It felt like a movie. It felt like a performance. Directly before kind of. that, when he like cuts his hand on the barbed wire, I was like, oh, that looked really fake. And then it was immediately <laughs> answered by like, oh, it's because he sticks his hand in the thing. And, you know, by the end of it, I was like, I guess it was worth it for that really fake, like, pretend to cut yourself moment. But, <laughs> you know, and like, I yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't want to spoil too much at the same time. But so I'm just going to be cryptic about this. When there's that explosion and it's just like, it 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 felt so bizarre and cheesy just like how that was resolved in terms of like both the camera work and like the logic of of what had just happened trying, which explosion um okay spoiler tag i assume you mean the one early on yeah spoiler tag <laughs> yeah. uh yeah when they're the uh when there's the tripwire or whatever and it's just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm just like covered rat, yeah. by rubble. Yeah. And it was just like, there's such, uh, there was obvious cuts there too. And I'm just like immediately, like you can't, I can't <laughs> believe they marketed it as this like one shot thing when they just d don't even really fucking try that much. Yeah, not really. <laughs> well, there's, they have big actors in this too. And I guess oh, they yeah, that was have really them weird. on set for like the entire day, right? So they had to cut before their scene started at some point. Well, no, I'm not saying that there shouldn't have been cuts. In Birdman, there were oh, many yeah. cuts, I know. right? But it was it was much better masked in terms of where the cuts were. There are a couple moments in Birdman mm -hmm. where I'm thinking like, yeah, it was probably here. Like it goes into like a bit of I'm saying like you said, the whole time and... I was thinking about the one cut thing. I was thinking about like, okay, they cut here because they needed to get Benedict Cumberbatch to come in for this day. But he wasn't going to be on set. He <laughs> was like, so I kept distracting. thinking about that and not the actual story. That was like a weird comedy cameo. Yeah, he like refused to surrender or, or like give up, or, like have his men retreat. It was so weird seeing they him at the very end as this like hugely recognizable face. I guess also because I wasn't really buying the movie, that was probably it. 
That's why the whole thing felt like a play to me, because there were all those recognizable actors. It's so like precise in how it's laid out yeah. and meticulous. It did feel um, like a play, yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. yeah. I was just really underwhelmed by pretty much every element. Yeah, I thought, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, d- I don't know if it is because I don't feel lied to or anything, like, but it, d- it just didn't, like, I never got even remotely as annoyed <laughs> as you got <laughs> at the movie. Like, I thought it was... At its worst, serviceable and above it, just, you know, pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. A, a way of presenting a story like this I hadn't seen it with, with this skin over it. You know, I've seen plenty of movies that have this one continuous one facade thing. But yeah, it would have been nice maybe to have, you know, some sequences that were all presented in that, you know, one shot kind of style with a, you know, a little bit more in between. Because it did take me a while to figure out, oh, is, they, are they, is the whole movie going to be like a one then? Is that what they're going for with this? I didn't realize they were going to do that, but it didn't really bug me. Like, it genuinely didn't. I wish you guys had seen uh, The Climb by this point. It's playing at Sundance, Ralph, if you want to catch it there. Oh, yeah? Because, like, <laughs> each each one of the scenes in that movie is its own separate, like, one-take shot. And that was, like, that was a movie made for, like, I don't know, 50 grand or some shit just by like two guys self-funding the whole thing. There was more impressive shit happening in that than in this movie. Like I was more into the nature of how that was shot and the coordination behind what was going on than I ever was in in this movie. I it really just I was I I it it had the expectation of me supposed to be impressed by it and it I just wasn't. And I wanted to be so bad. I was actually looking forward to this. We have like the inverse like responses because like I I really wasn't like hyped or anything for the movie. I knew nothing about it and watch any marketing. And I went in and, and enjoyed it mm-hmm. as a result. That might have been why. Um, I don't know. Well, I was looking forward to it. I had much the same reaction as Adam, but I still like the movie. Mm-hmm. I mm. still think it's has its moments. <laughs> yeah, it is solid. I think. I don't think it's terrible. I just like. <laughs> oh no! I, I'm. I thought I was being negative on the movie, so I'm glad. <laughs> I'm the most upset in movies. I'm just gonna forget about. Yeah. And I'm completely gonna forget about this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really gonna remember it beyond. How did you feel about the the main character basically being killed pretty early on? Um. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. There were kind of two main characters. He was more of the main-ish character. I knew one of them was going to die. Like, that was pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. I didn't take his death seriously. It was really overdramatic. Especially... <laughs> it, I found it really kind of funny when he got stabbed, honestly. I was not into it. <laughs> and I wasn't trying to hate the movie. Funny. I was just like... <laughs> Well, yeah, because he's a fucking idiot. It's, uh, it's the guy from Game of Thrones. What's his name? Tommen. Yeah. It's just like presenting him as this noble, like, no, he needs water. Like, what have you been doing in this world? <laughs> His friend leaves for a second. He's oh, he just lets himself get stabbed. What a fucking idiot. That didn't bother yeah. me, though, because they were like naive children. It's a very okay moment. And like the whole sequence of events leading up to that, where they see the, the planes in the sky, and then one comes crashing down, like literally right exactly where they are. And, like, it's so obvious that that's going to happen, but the two characters don't realize it because they're not the audience, I guess. The guy survives, and he's, like, on fire. They pull him. It was just such a weird sequence of events, and I was just not on board by that point, and so I just couldn't couldn't deal with it. Yeah. I was I was just kind of amused by him getting <laughs> stabbed. 
<laughs> I quite liked the, that. Yeah. Um, I thought it established that they were willing to, you know, there, there were stakes in the in the story for me at that point. I wasn't expecting it. Did you not expect one of them to die? I expected one of them to die, but I thought they were clearly setting up that the other one was going to die at the beginning with oh. them slicing his hand and then putting it in the body. I thought that was going to be some, like, he's going to die of <laughs> yeah. some sickness or some shit. Or when the rat blows up the thing they're in. Like, I thought yeah. he died there. Yeah, I don't know. It's like shot in real time, supposedly. Like, that was the marketing. And me being familiar with the marketing, it was like, you're not going to get an infection and die from it within two hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I never expected that. <laughs> That's true. And then they just cheated it. And it was because, like, at the beginning of the movie, it was like, oh, you can make you know, it there in like six hours. You're right, Adam. Six hours you're actually right. Because if, if the movie had cut or if it took place over like a few weeks, that would have actually meant something. I would have been like, oh, it's going to get infected. He's going to lose his yeah. hand. But nothing happens with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just there to subvert your expectation. It was just like a slapstick moment. Mm -hmm. It's just to make you go, ew. <laughs> <laughs> There are moments like that where it just feels like, oh, this is a movie. We need something exciting to happen. A fucking plane flies in. <laughs> like, yeah. stuff like that. But I don't mind it. And then immediately after that, like, the army shows up. Oh, yeah. And, like, they don't hear them at all. And it was really weird. Yeah, they just show up. They walk through the house and the whole army's there. Their trucks are, like, already there. Yeah. There's, like, at least 50 people. <laughs> and they're just all silently <laughs> creeped up behind them on this farm. <laughs> And then the guy, like, when he's running around in the town at night or whatever, and this guy comes up to him and he pulls out his gun. And then he's like, he decides to shoot him while he's running. I found that a little comical. Like, you have this perfect moment where yeah. you can just, like, take a stance, pull out your rifle, and just end his life. But instead, he decides to, like, run at him with his rifle while shooting and f trips and falls. Like, I guess he was drunk or something, but... <laughs> That guy kind of looked like a like a CGI computer model. Might have been. I might be wrong. I could be totally wrong, but that's what it looks like. <laughs> oh, God. There was that moment where he, like, fell off the waterfall. That was some bad CG. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. I mean, th those there were little moments like that that didn't take me out of the movie. When The Rock was, like, there was a point where they cut. There was, like, a oh, huge yeah. rock that went right in front of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> that was a pretty obvious one. That was annoying. <laughs> but most of them, I w they didn't bother me. I was okay with it. I just wish on a story level it connected with me more and characters were better. Yeah, exactly. Me too. And it could have cut. <laughs> it could have cut. It would have been slightly better maybe. Who knows? Yeah, whatever. All right. I guess that's it for the discussion unless you guys have more yeah. to add. No. Okay. I'm giving this one a 5 out of 10. It's not terrible, but... It pisses me off, so. It's just... <laughs> yeah, like three and a half stars. It was seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm the same with you, Ralph. Uh, seven out of ten. I just, I, I, when I have to defend like a movie um, that I'm not even that passionate about, it makes it sound <laughs> like I love it. <laughs> it's just like, no, like I had a good time. It's not something I'm going to really remember. And really, it should only be watched if you're really passionate about World War One and that kind of time frame because um, it is really interesting from a historical perspective or just for the technical aspects i wish i was watching the jackson documentary fuck i was thinking about the that jackson documentary yeah. um they should not grow old while watching it and yeah there's a they go kind of well together i'd say if you want like a more action-packed depiction of that kind of thing mm -hmm. i guess seven out of ten <laughs> <laughs> all right 
Didn't it win Best Movie at Golden Globes? It won Best Drama, yeah. Best Drama. Wow. Drama. I'll be upset if it wins Best okay. Picture at the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's Best yeah. Picture at all. No. Mm-hmm. They might give it to Parasite. I hope that's what they do. It would be Whatever. monumental if that's what happened. And I'm exactly. kind of hopeful that that would happen. It seems like this would be the year if it happened. But I don't fucking know because the Oscars disappoint so so often. Anyway. Uh, there was a movie that was recommended last episode. Yes, so it was my choice to recommend, and I recommended 1985's Come and See, directed by Elam Klimov. Is that how you say it? It's Russian, obviously, so I'm not a native speaker. Mm-hmm. But keeping on with this war theme, we've just gone from one World War One now to a World War Two movie. Electric where, Boogaloo. Where the, the basic premise is all through the eyes of a young a young boy who uh, kind of joins a, a Soviet like resistance who are fighting against like the, the, the Nazis effectively. And it's all about viewing uh, the horrors of war through the eyes of a, an innocent little child and how completely fucking ruthless and horrendous and pointless the whole thing was, a very anti-war type of stance, um, which isn't like a, a new thing for a war movie to do, but it's one of the more affecting ones I have seen. And I, I thought it was absolutely excellent. Um, I don't know what, about you guys. Yeah. It is very hard to watch. Yeah. It's one of those, like, reputation movies, I think, that has a bit of a, like, this movie's going to ruin your day type of mm-hmm. movies. And for a lot of it, I was like, I'm not sure why it has that reputation. Oh, and then, like, the last 40 <laughs> minutes kicked in. I was like, oh, my fucking God. This is, like, this is Spoiler not discussion. pulling any punches. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's really affecting the way it like yeah. slowly unravels, starting with like a innocent little boy and going all the way to <laughs> just the look on his face says it all. It's so harrowing and disturbing mm-hmm. just watching something so innocent be dragged into such an awful, pointless conflict. He becomes a very wrinkly mm-hmm. boy by the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, yeah. <laughs> I was reading in the trivia that the director struggled with um like the morality of of putting a kid into even if it's all acting and you know on a set and everything Mm -hmm. like the morality of putting a child actor into something as hardcore as this because there's no way you can really edit around the way it's presented like he's seeing everything around Mm -hmm. him it's like the whole point of the movie but yeah dude (laughs) i I love the performance from that main kid i thought yeah absolutely it's all in the face yeah Uh, the, the makeup in this movie is like incredible like Mm. how like they make everyone look very dirty and look decrepit and just it's it's brutal to watch Mm -hmm. (laughs) it really is brutal to watch the whole thing and yeah he was great there's a really really great progression of the character as the film goes on near the beginning he's like constantly laughing and pretty indifferent towards his mother's suffering not taking things seriously, still naive, mm-hmm. hasn't yet mm-hmm. experienced any real true horrors. <laughs> like it, it's this childlike innocence that is just snatched away as the film progresses, and you can see him literally, basically, just turn into like an old man being shell shell shocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that moment where they're they're running away from from the home and the camera like quickly spins around and you see the just pile of bodies outside mm-hmm. uh, it kind of ramps up from there 
and just doesn't really let go. It's so like chaotic and brutal. It's just really hard to watch at points, especially when mm-hmm. they're like throwing kids into like a burning building and shit like that. Like it's yeah. really heavy. Yeah, but I feel like that's the way to do it. If you're going to talk about absolutely these types of subjects where the reality is is really disturbing. Yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. it's yeah, probably a good exactly. idea to be faithful to that. Absolutely. That's what makes it so powerful. I didn't look up a lot about the movie, but I, apparently it's very historically accurate to... Was the Belarusians were... Yeah. Like... Belarusians? Belarusian? Belarusian? That was so Western. I'm not <laughs> yeah, Belarusian, a history I think. major. <laughs> Neither am I. But just... I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> Whatever. You said it was historically accurate. Yeah, it was very historically accurate from what I know to how they're, they're suffering and what they went through. Mm-hmm. And that's what made it even more powerful. It's a unique perspective as well. Like, mm-hmm. as Westerners, we don't really know that much about Russia unless we study it. So seeing it through the eyes of people from over there is really interesting on that level alone, let alone, yeah. like, what actually happens in the movie. Like, there's so much, like, imagery that's seared into my into my mind now um, from the way they presented it. Like, for some reason, the cow and the close-up on the eye really oh, yeah. stands out in my mind. Yeah. Lots of little stuff like that. Lots of great artistic moments in this movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Lots of great imagery. There's like, he steps on like the bird eggs. <laughs> and there's like baby bird yeah. chicks just yeah. like <laughs> dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of really good artistic choices in this movie. The sound design I thought was like one of the best aspects. Um, really great, mm. especially for the 1980s. It's not overbearing to no. any degree. It's not like it replaces what you're seeing, but it really emphasizes what you're seeing. And and much of the soundtrack, there's so many points where you wouldn't even really notice that there's anything going on in that sense, unless you're you're mm-hmm. like trying to pay attention to it. But yeah, there's a lot of like really subtle kind of like low bassy drony kind of sounds that really mm. help bring out this sort of like tension and anxiety for the viewer yeah which is especially important considering there really isn't that much dialogue in the movie like it's mm-hmm. it's like an experience the whole thing like there's mm-hmm. constant chatting and a lot of the story is told through just what you're seeing so yeah the sound is very important to you know keep it cohesive mm-hmm. yeah the film looks beautiful too yeah. I thought it looked gorgeous. Really yeah. well shot. Uh, the last shot was like amazing. It like went through the forest. That was a great one take. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. did that way back when. So <laughs> Near the beginning of the film, when I at least came to the conclusion that this is this was going to be a movie that I really loved, was when I noticed just how distinct and well presented each of the characters were. Even characters that are really not too important to the story they're also memorable like the little boy at the beginning and his dynamic with the main character even the um the soldiers that show up at their house at the beginning and the guy like pretending he like took off his nose and stuff like that the way that they're talking like the guy setting up the the camera shot with all the soldiers trying to get everybody to pose properly it's not just thrown together like each of these characters is so distinct and watchable 
and memorable and that really helps the movie a lot whereas like if if these characters were yeah. like boring and bland and forgettable these scenes might not work as well yeah it feels like one of those like fly on the wall kind of movies where the depiction of everything is strangely realistic but also there's this i don't know like like magical air like it feels mm-hmm. odd you know like there's something mysterious to it like it, it's unique in that way and the just the dread <laughs> and the just the look of everything like it all comes together very well i don't really have any complaints to be honest yeah it's 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 kind of like that scene where they're the main character meets the girl and they bond over crying and laughing at the same time like there's there's a really yeah. maniacal and hysterical element that is presented in this film of just like the absurdity of war and all this trauma and conflict. Mm-hmm. It's not just, oh, feel sad, torture porn kind of movie. Like there is this kind of um, crazy element to it as well, which I think is really essential to capture. It's it's people's sanity disappearing. It's people literally breaking down their entire worlds, breaking down around them and trying to process that in any kind of emotional way it feels apocalyptic almost yeah it's it's like hell on earth and that's really mm-hmm. what makes it interesting because it happened like this stuff was going on like they say at the end like some extra details before the credits like it, it it's so sick to watch and just to to see these people flip-flop between just what like orders they're given and what and how people react when they're just pushed to the most extreme like limits you know like that was what was really interesting to me, just watching these soldiers and uh, react to what they've been given to do with the, like... And then when they're captured and they've got to suddenly flip and, like, beg for their lives, like, it, it really doesn't hold anything back and shows just the depravity of it all. Like, it, yeah. it really works on that level, just to, just to highlight... Like, I, I'm not sure if I've really seen a, a better anti-war movie, like than this I, I think it's probably my favorite one <laughs> I, I, well, actually Salo i did think like about a, that movie a lot yeah, um, yeah. while watching it, that's this. like another film that was hard to watch as well yeah where that film's obviously a lot more metaphorical in the way they present the same yeah. kind of ideas but this way is really more what, comical yeah yeah exactly this was more serious to me in the mm-hmm. presentation it, you know not that i hate Salo Salo or anything of course i got lots of uh son of saul vibes from this movie which obviously came out much later possibly due to the aspect ratio possibly due to the whole nazi thing there there are plenty of points in this film where it feels like very chaotic but also like very claustrophobic and although it's not necessarily (laughs) the intentional filming style to have a movie that constantly feels tight like that but you know part parts where it's like in the barn <laughs> was it a barn or a church that they lit on fire i wasn't sure because there wasn't like any pews in there i think it was a barn it was a barn yeah i'm not sure when all of them are getting like crammed in there and like you actually see it from the interior and just everybody's like packed in there that like one soldier that was one of the most uncomfortable scenes for me yeah because i was immediately feeling like claustrophobia watching that mm-hmm. just like because you also shit. know what happened in World War Two, so you yeah. can take a guess at what's about to happen. Yeah, and if you didn't, you knew what happened earlier in the movie. It was to the village he mm-hmm. came from. Exactly, yeah. So, so you know, it's one for the whole family. 
So gather around with <laughs> granny and grandpa and watch this one. Mm. Yeah, double feature with Space Jam. Yeah. <laughs> I loved um like a little little detail like the the kid bandaging up his gun. Oh yeah. I thought that was like that was a, cool. a nice irony to that. Like yeah. look, I'm bandaging up the gun because <laughs> war bad and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this is more important than all the people that are dying around me. No, I've got to make sure my gun is uh, t- in tip sh- top condition. Yeah, he doesn't really use it. He carries it around no. like the whole movie. Because like, what else would you do? Like, you're in a you're in a war scenario. Like, <laughs> you're gonna want to be armed, even if you don't really know how to use it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he just winds up trying to hide it most of the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know, it it would only come in handy if it's like you versus one, not you versus like an entire troop. So there were certain shots where they had those like tracing bullets going past the screen. Does anybody know yeah. how that was pulled off? Are those like fireworks or like did they just shoot above the actors or like what happened there? What I have a that? feeling they might have actually used live rounds. Yeah. I, I might have to check the trivia. I was looking through the trivia yesterday after I watched it. This um, is why I want to see the Criterion thing. It's because, like, I know it'll be loaded with some yeah. special features. So I hope that gets a Blu-ray soon because I'd, I'd be really hyped to yeah, the, watch all the those. first piece of trivia on IMDb is live ammunition was used in the film. In interviews, one of the actors described actual bullets passing some 10 centimeters above his head, so no wonder it feels so real. (laughs) Holy shit. So they actually just fucking murdered a cow. Nice. That's crazy. (laughs) Russia, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It died for art. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Kill a cow in Apocalypse Now, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, whatever. Nobody has to eat McDonald's either. There were some really uh, great practical effects. Uh, I was impressed when um, the soldier was uh, pulling the girl by her hair because ba- basically if you were to take like uh, drama class or something and you're learning how to cheat these types of, I guess, like fighting effects, what you're taught is like the actor grabs the person's hair uh, and then the person whose hair is being pulled basically uses one of their hands on top of the other actor's hands and so they always have the control of holding their own weight on top of the Mm -hmm. other actor's hands so there's no actual hair being pulled but in this film her hands are like dangling way in front of her that's a great point yeah it makes it very vivid oh yeah like it, it feels so much more real so many other movies do the one that i had earlier described this one i think what they probably did was um they probably had like a rope attached to her chest or waist or something or like under her shoulders and it going through her ponytail or something so that the actor oh. was like pulling on the rope and not necessarily like it sense, looks yeah. like it's her i don't know i thought they just really did it yeah who knows <laughs> that's right yeah. but either way the effect looked really really real and that was really yeah. cool but that's part of what is so good about it is despite the film being fairly not modern because the 80s is a long time ago now but the film feels like it is depicting the 40s like it doesn't feel like an like it was made in 1985 it feels very true to what it's trying to depict which is so essential for how overbearing the subject matter is like they had to do it just right and present it in the in the right way so we weren't able to nitpick it in the way we are you know a film like 1917 for example which is about you know (laughs) subject matter just as horrible i really enjoyed the pacing of the the movie as well there was a lot of like great build-up 
Um, and as I mentioned earlier, all the characters were very distinct, and that helped with the pacing as well. But yeah, the whole last... Did you did you actually time it? Was it literally like the last 40 minutes of the movie where that whole scene went down? Because that, um, that went like on longer. a while, but it was all yeah. so great. <laughs> like it was it was perfect for what the movie should be. Like this absolute yeah. chaos. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a Gaspar Noe's climax sort of thing. It's like, we're, we're not going to let yeah. you go. This is going to keep going. I, <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is sort of the climax of the movie in the most horrendous way possible. But you're right, it really does hammer home the point like if it hadn't already sold you on it to begin with by then yeah this shit was (laughs) it doesn't get much worse than this like i kept thinking about cormac mccarthy's story the road you guys read or seen the movie i saw the movie i wasn't big on the movie but i've seen the movie i'm a fan of the book actually and like atmospherically has a very similar kind of feel to it because it is like an Mm. apocalyptic scenario and it's about just someone going through it and trying to survive in it Mm -hmm. and uh, you know you see like what the the end of humanity brings out of people it's like the whole point of the story and the film has a very same sort of you know meaning to it in the sense where it's like this like look at what we allowed to happen effectively like this this cannot happen again type thing you know like you you cannot you cannot let anything like this go on. Like, it's so awful. Yeah, it's a very, <laughs> very uh, depressing, but really, really great, really great movie. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those, I think it belongs in that list of, like, you know, important historical films that will, right. you know, like Schindler's List, like, sort of saw, like, a lot of these movies the are. The great World War Two movies, especially. Mm-hmm. Or like ones depicting the horrors, especially not so much the action ones. It gives you just a realistic enough of a slice to kind of empathize with what it was like. Yeah, but it's not manipulative. It's very blunt. No, no, no. And how it presents it. The bluntness of it is what makes it effective. Yeah, it really isn't trying to hide like Uh because there's like there's nothing you need to dramatize or like Mm -hmm. liven up. You know, (laughs) yeah, it's not. It's it's already the extreme. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I've I've often thought that some of the scariest films to me are war movies. I think there's like to me there's nothing more frightening than um the truth of like some of the stuff that has been done historically, yeah. and mm-hmm. the fact that it hasn't even been a hundred years since this was happening makes it even more poignant to me, especially with you know all the endless you know political and war talk that's going on even now. Yeah, like it's important to be reminded of this kind of thing every now and again to do everything in our power to avoid it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. remind ourselves how horrendous it is oops oopsie doopsie (laughs) oopsie (laughs) (laughs) we we briefly mentioned the um i guess live ammunition that was being used there's a couple other uh shots where it's clear that uh probably wouldn't fly too well with uh acting standards Placing like uh, your actors right next to these huge explosions, they run away and then they go off and like the dirt flies and like hits the camera too. Like holy shit! Better hope that they know which r- way to run when you yell action. They don't go the other way because <laughs> there are some like actual explosions happening really close to these actors as they ran away. There was the guy that like jumps out of the roof of the barn or whatever. As it's on fire, as other actors are throwing Molotov cocktails at it. (laughs) 
<laughs> literally just like jumping out of a burning building with holy shit yeah there's a lot of impressive stuff <laughs> happening here and it's like you almost don't even think about it in that way because the movie is so convincing like you're just like sucked into yeah. it and like oh yeah this is real or whatever like it, it flows so well mm-hmm. but yeah there's a lot of really impressive stuff going on both technically and and coordinating and I don't know. I was like, I felt more impressed by some of the sequences in this film, uh, especially near the end, like with that whole chaotic 40 minute climax or whatever. I was so Mm. much more into it and impressed by it and uh, like all the coordination going on than I was at any moment of 1917. (laughs) <laughs> i knew that was coming and like yeah you don't even have to, it doesn't even have to be like ooh, this was all in one take like there's any given shot where i'm like i'm impressed by how coordinated this is and how well it flows from from one place to the next and like you're seeing all this chaos happening and people being dragged along through these crowds and like every single actor is like given something to do yeah a lot of crazy shit happening yeah 1917 was just such a missed opportunity yeah. because of that. Because there's like these visceral reactions you get out of people or like we can really ponder the horrors of war <laughs> in these movies like this. And it's mm-hmm. just like an action movie, which is fine. It's entertaining, but it could have been something more than mm-hmm. that. And it really wasn't. Sam Mendes. <laughs> <laughs> we always gotta, we gotta go back to 1917. But this movie is <laughs> <it's> great. <laughs> It's totally different from 1917, so we shouldn't even compare it. <laughs> Sorry. Like, totally. <laughs> he <couldn't help> <laughs> Is there anything we didn't like about Come and See, then? Because I, I, I'm struggling. It made me feel think... awful, <laughs> but that's not a yeah. complaint. Yeah, you can't really complain if it succeeds yeah. at exactly what it was going for. I there There was, like, maybe a moment where in the scene where he's like going through the mud like oh they're on the island over there and she like doesn't tell him and i felt like that was a little pushing it in terms of being over dramatic that was the one sequence where i was like okay you're kind of hamming this up but i feel like i might feel differently about it on a mm. second watch i feel mm. like knowing really what it is me. and like I'll the see. context yeah. of what's happening I, yeah. and the reveal and like the sure. character being in denial and all that on a second watch, I'm probably just going to be completely okay with it. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't give it a rating now. Like, <laughs> honestly. Oh, you're I not thought it was great. It. it would be something high. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, cause it's like, I don't know. It just made me, it was, it was beautifully crafted, but it just made me feel awful. And it was a haunting <laughs> movie about a, a very bad, painful subject matter. Um, but it's, it's great. I, it would be something high if I were to rate it. Okay. In the future, maybe. Near the end of the film, they're using... Ralph, do you know what the, this is called? I, I forget the terminology for it, where you basically have like a shift in the lens where the foreground and the background are both in focus at the same time. Oh, you know like that split focus thing? Split focus. Uh, I forgot what it's is. called. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot exactly what it's called. Maybe I just haven't noticed it in some earlier films, but I see it a lot more commonly in like 90s and and so on mm-hmm. yeah it was really yeah, interesting i, I couldn't tell you the origin showed up at the end it was really effective either way yeah very briefly it was the girl and he was in the background i forgot there were a couple shots <laughs> and they all came kind of like yeah. in that end sequence yeah 
And then they showed real Holocaust footage, and that was interesting. Uh huh. There was the footage of like um, Hitler, and then they showed the picture of Hitler, like baby Hitler, as he was shooting, like that portrait of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the puddle. What did you guys yeah. get out of that? It was interesting. I thought because that... to, to to put that in there too was very like challenging. Yeah, it was it was an interesting decision. I was more on board with the shots of like the starving dying people after that point like went back to like the regular movie for a minute and then it goes back into more black and white footage as he's shooting the hitler painting i thought that the editing was a little bizarre in that moment where everything was getting reversed and it went on for a while but yeah well you gotta think back to like the nazi propaganda movies at that time yeah and to me Mm -hmm. it was like it was like a taking that footage and messing it up like jumbling it making it like this nightmare almost you know mm-hmm. like like a almost a defamation of it <laughs> like it's a like graffiti the versus like, the reality know? of it yeah. mm-hmm. right kind of like that yeah and then they you see the baby and it's like maybe he thinks he like he could have gone that same way maybe <laughs> like he could have become that monster too and in some ways he has because he's a very different like person at the very end of the film than he is at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of how I took it. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to see it a second time to really yeah. know There's how I truly feel in. about, <laughs> it is. about that last it's part. It's very, it's it very hard to watch, though. but yeah. Absolutely, yeah. The acting was fantastic. Like that mm-hmm. one shot when the guy, the main character, is told that his entire family is dead. And he's like looking mm-hmm. into the camera and you awful. can see that these like huge puddles of tears like forming in his eyes. That was a moment where I was like, holy shit, like, that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very emotionally resonant. <laughs> yeah, we're just really dour because <laughs> it's a hard, it's a rough watch. But mm-hmm. what would you guys rate it if if we want to move on to ratings? I'm giving I'm it. Sure <laughs> I was waiting for you. <laughs> I was waiting for you. Um, it wasn't really hard for me to assign a rating. Um, there mm. certain special movies come along every now and again that when I watch them, it's like I have no problem giving this a, a perfect like five stars, which it, it is to me, and I'm sure it'll only get better on rewatch. Um, it, it really affected me, and and it shocked me and everything it intended to do. And yeah, I think everyone should go out of their way to try and watch it if they can especially if a nice shiny criterion is going to come out mm-hmm. in the yeah, future great. i'm giving this one a nine out of ten it might be a ten when i see it again i knew i would love it too it's one of those things where it's like just been sitting on my watch list for a while i'm like yeah this looks like probably yeah. something i would enjoy sort yeah. of thing so i'm glad i finally got around to it yeah i just didn't want to watch it you know thanks Alex. Rough. yeah exactly <laughs> so i'm yeah. glad you finally forced Sorry. me out yeah, <laughs> it's the same reason I haven't watched like Salo either. You know, there are loads of movies like that where it's That's like, yeah, it. I'll watch that another time when I don't want to be miserable for a bit. <laughs> and then, Ralph, you're abstaining from a rating. Sure, for now, okay. it would be something high, like a nine or a ten. All right, I would just like to see it again. Sure, it's, it's a lot enough. to take in. Yeah, I can't like watch it and be like, oh, that was that's an eight out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, holy shit! Like, um, oh, whatever. God. Yeah, <laughs> just thinking about it. But like, yeah, you 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 can't just keep putting it off. At some point, you have to like face reality, and that's what the film's ultimately about. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, this happened. Just look at how 
fucking people horrible are capable of this yeah yeah so it's, it's important like, that we don't repeat that mm-hmm. exactly yeah mm-hmm. all right question time yeah Let's do it. Let's do some questions. Uh, if you want to leave your own questions, head over to the Sardonicast Reddit, where there will be a thread where you can ask us whatever you like. So let's start off with this one from Badabadum, who asks, and I'm sorry, this leaves you out a little bit, Adam, so sure. maybe you don't mind me talking about Whatever. It. To Ralph and Alex, what are your final thoughts on Mr. Robot now that it's over? <laughs> I know you're making a video, Ralph, but um, yeah. top level thoughts. Well, while people, you know, wait, or well, the video well, might actually be out it, it by was, the time this goes up. No, I don't think so. It, it might be <laughs> definitely part of it because I'm going to post part of it to patrons. But okay, awesome. it was it was great. <laughs> yeah, I finished Sam it. Sam did it again. Yeah, I finished it yesterday, and uh, <laughs> without yeah. I, I, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything. Just mm-hmm. as vague as possible. I was really happy with the conclusion of it. I wasn't sure how they were going to do it, and I'd heard that people were really satisfied with it. And I was like, okay, we'll see about that. Yeah. And the the last like two episodes are really clever, the, the way they they choose to take they it. They were like a modern day Back to the Future almost. <laughs> like Just those two episodes. <laughs> it was way. so fun and like interesting. The, I had no idea like if it... I guess we can't spoil anything, yeah. But yeah. like I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> which is in great a that's way. a very in a good way that's a very you're mr just, robot you're sat thing. there like salivating uh-huh. waiting but the story answers. really did come together very well all the characters served their purpose and like mm-hmm. darlene and elliot had a great arc this season yeah and th- their final moment was great like it's just a lot of good writing and like uh on a technical level i think the show was amazing oh that yeah one episode so that was on a like just it was just no dialogue that entire episode it was like the fifth one i believe yeah. it was just like an action scene of them hacking into this building and and then running away <laughs> it was it was fantastic and there's it's, so it, many moments like it felt that. like effortless the mm-hmm. way it was put together it, it and then was, episode yeah, seven is like excellent. a hitchcock film it has yeah. five acts and it's like letterbox but it's fucking brilliant it takes place in one room basically mm-hmm. and the music i thought stepped up as well i really liked the soundtrack and yeah uh, season throughout the whole thing Macwell stuff and the use of like uh unoriginal music or licensed mm-hmm. music yeah 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 like that but so, you yeah. can't really ask more when like as soon as it ended i was like oh that's the kind of ending where i kind of want to go back to the beginning and watch the whole thing again now with now yeah. i know everything that happens because it I adds did. so much oh did you nice yeah, the, I can't. We can't talk oh, about right. anything. But <laughs> no, there's like stuff I noticed where I was like, "Oh my god, that's totally that totally makes sense now." It's and, that thing we keep saying about where these planned out stories are the most, you know, gratifying, mm-hmm. and it's just another example of it. Like it is just a great. It's not even like stupidly long either. It's only four seasons. It's very digestible. It's on right. Amazon Prime. Like it's like Breaking Bad, like that. Hmm. Um, these, these shows aren't yeah v- very weird and it would, in a way it feels more like they're literally reincorporating footage from season one into season four like like mm-hmm. effortlessly like it totally yeah, feels organic and, and part of the story and it makes sense yeah 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 like that level of planning is kind of new but these these shows aren't usually exactly planned out i bet there's things they made up uh from oh, what yeah, i know Vera yeah. was made up as a character like for the show but Considering you have all this stuff and these plates you got to balance, it did a pretty good job mm-hmm. of resolving everything in a very satisfying way, unlike Game yeah. of Thrones or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was really glad they, they nailed it. Um, yeah. Sorry you can't engage with this, Adam, but it's a yeah. good show. Okay. 
Yeah, I think we're pretty much done. We'll wait yeah. for Ralph's video. I'm sure he'll cover everything of note. Yeah. Okie dokie then. Let's move on to this one from Motionless Upon the Air. It's a nice one. If it were proven that all the conspiracy theories around Hollywood are true, parentheses, cult gatherings, pedophilia, sex trafficking, etc., and every mainstream filmmaker and actor is involved in some way, would you have a harder time enjoying mainstream American cinema? <laughs> yeah, if it was like some grand conspiracy? <laughs> yeah. That would be crazy. I don't even think the conspiracy theories are saying that literally every Hollywood, major Hollywood director is in <laughs> yes, on this shit. Every single one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know what they... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, how would it uh, affect you? I don't. I. I. It, <laughs> it's just. They're genuine people working in Hollywood, I think. Yes, of course <laughs> there are. What is, like, especially what is conspiracy? Theory? It's that little doubt in your mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. That's how these conspiracy theories flourish, is from that, like, 1% of yeah. doubt you have in your mind. <laughs> and it just spirals from there. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> it's such a weird, like, hypothetical. It is a bizarre hypothetical. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I'm still yes. able to enjoy a good Polanski movie. Whatever. Sure. Rosemary's Baby's good. But it's different if it's every director. Yeah, it depends the scale. Like, the entire industry. Like, <laughs> yeah. If we found out this was a thing, like, it would be such phenomenal news. Like, I don't know how <laughs> anyone could really recover. <laughs> like, the whole yeah. art form would even struggle. It would be, like, a ridiculous Or Hollywood, thing. at least. Like, the big Hollywood directors. Mm. It would be over. Hollywood yeah. would die. Maybe that's a good thing. That'll keep them from doing AI movies. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to stop him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dar Deadpool Dar has this to say. Opinions on Golden Globes opening monologue, if you watched. Like the Golden Globes happened, I guess. Like, yeah, I, I didn't watch any of that. <laughs> I didn't watch any of it. But did you guys not watch any of the, you know, Ricky Gervais yeah, I saw that thing where he just insults um, it was posted on Reddit. everyone in the audience? <laughs> what did you think of it? Yeah, it was funny. I wasn't like as taken aback or surprised by it as a lot of people seem to be. He's been trashing the Golden Globes every time he's on. He just gets a little bit more... Uh... Yeah, it seemed like people were reacting more this time yeah. for some reason. I think because he mentioned Epstein or something. <laughs> he did. He joked about them being his... <laughs> oh everyone in the audience being Epstein's like friend yeah. or something, <laughs> some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, maybe if you didn't know who he was and you saw him come up and you made all those jokes, then maybe I could see being shocked. But if you know anything about him and his form of comedy, then it was just yeah, his stand-up. But with a, it's just, it's like the only thing that made the Golden Globes worth talking about. Yeah, which is why they invited him back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because then you he you knows know, he can get away with it. it. They keep inviting him back. He keeps pushing it more and more every time. Yeah. God bless him. <laughs> yeah, at this point, he yeah. just says he doesn't care. He's like. This will be the last time. I don't care. Yeah, he like I don't care. mocks the running time of it. He like pimps his own shows out and shit during <laughs> the funny. speeches and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't give a single fuck. It was so insulting like <laughs> so many people to their faces. Yeah, including like Tim Cook from Apple. It's like oh, yeah. yeah, that would not fly as well at the Oscars. The Golden Globes are <laughs> no. more of a joke. Not Absolutely not. <laughs> it's like a drunken rehearsal mm -hmm. for the Oscars. So yeah, <laughs> they don't care. It was fine. Drunk rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, the Golden Globes are boring. 
Yeah, like why? Why? Like who? Who would care otherwise? Aside from him, hosting <laughs> it? you know, like people barely care about the Oscars, even <laughs> let alone the Golden Globes or the Baftas or any of this shit. <laughs> it's such a like. Uh, but on the same sort of lines, if we're talking about comedy and that and whatnot, I got a count to ask this. Has this to ask? When you guys discussed your favourite actors, you autistic cunt piece of shit barely mentioned any comedy actors. <laughs> That's supposed to be like Jesus. a joke. <laughs> so with this question, I ask, who are your favourite comedy actors and comedy performances? Well, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Anna Ferris is pretty great. I think she's hilarious. Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I'd say both of them. Yeah, it depends what you like. Because there is a good comedic performance, and then there's a good comedic performance that also has a bit more to it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, I think Simon Pegg is actually a pretty decent actor at the end of it, so it does ele- elevate like the Cornetto yeah, trilogy definitely. or something mm-hmm. like that. So he is able to do... Yeah, it's all about range, isn't it? Like, if you're able to do a bit more, then it brings more to the performance, like Robin Williams or someone like that. You know, he's able to do the whole gambit. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Jim Carrey, even. You know, he can be goofy and ridiculous, but he also can be in eternal sh- sunshine or something more thoughtful. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I don't know, because then... The ones where Jim Carrey is the wackiest are not like the best movies. <laughs> and then he's like more yeah, held back in like Eternal Sunshine. And it's like, oh, okay, this is great. So it really depends on what you want out of a movie, I guess, or a performance. Yeah. You know, because Bill Murray is really funny, but he does the same thing every time. So it's like, is that a great performance <laughs> or maybe I just like him? Maybe. Uh, I love Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, yeah, that's a great I think one. He's incredible. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is a great answer. He's. Yeah. Determination to Character fuck actor. with people in real life is what makes him stand out. <laughs> great Borat is a great movie. Yeah. Even shout out to Rowan Atkinson. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. Like, yeah. He's as much as I like to shit on Mr. Bean. Um, <laughs> he's very good as Mr. Bean. <laughs> yeah. It's an iconic role. Yeah, man. You can't, you can't take that away from him. Uh, Charlie Chaplin. Mm. <laughs> I just pulled out like a, a guy from the 20s. <laughs> like, couldn't think of anything else. Yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen's a good one. Yeah, that's my answer. Huh. Sticking yeah. to it. Shmi Hoopapa has this to us. <laughs> Do you think a movie is better if it is a cinematic achievement? For example, giving Toy Story extra credit because, it's the, because it is the first animated feature film. But Computer Someone, animated yeah. feature film. <laughs> Did they just write yeah, animated? Sorry, that was just a, that. Yeah, they wrote animated. They did mean <laughs> computer animated. <laughs> That's part of what engages you in the film. film, right? Is that it's the first time doing something like the Avatar film is the first time it was Pandora. Like you saw Pandora, and this fully CGI world was rendered like realistically, and you were engaged in it. If you tried doing that same thing now, it wouldn't be as impressive. Yeah. Well, how many so. times on this show alone have we given films points? purely for being the film to start something, start some style or, you know, way of presenting things that just yeah. inspired so many people. Like, I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. To, like, it is interesting to watch. Yeah. You know, where, like, how films have informed each other and where things come from. It's crucial to understanding the context, even. Like, if you show a kid the original Toy Story now, they might mock it for how it looked and want to watch Toy <laughs> Story 4, you know? But... You know, yeah. that doesn't make Toy Story 1 a worse movie just because of that one aspect. 
There's exactly. more to it. Depends on what kind of achievement, really. Because like there are some movies where you could you could list an achievement, but it's still not a great movie. But it it has its place mm-hmm. in cinema history, like mm-hmm. uh, exactly the first usage of computer generated effects in a movie at all was just like what it was like a sequence of somebody's hand or something that was just on a computer screen for some other random movie that i don't think i've seen sort of thing like there's an achievement in there i don't know or tron that's an achievement yeah in a way (laughs) yeah it really depends on what the achievement is and how it plays into the film like does it help the movie yeah, and how much, yeah, like it affected yeah. cinema and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't really have like a hard-hitting answer on that. I would just say it depends. <laughs> mm-hmm. Danny o Movie Guy asks this. What's a film you love that carries a negative connotation as a generic film bro, in quotes, movie? And does the stigma surrounding that film cause you to enjoy it less? So we're seeing film this more and more how, like... You know, just the typical gatekeeping in, um, you know, fandoms. Like, it's all about putting people into categories and, like, you're not a real one because of this and that. An example for me would be, like, Fight Club, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's considered, like, a film bro movie. Um, Everyone, like, you know, considers it that way. But then when you watch it, you're like, oh, this is actually really good. (laughs) It doesn't make me enjoy it less, though. Like, it's never gotten to that point where it makes me, like, purely for its reputation make me dislike a movie. But that's probably the closest one. Mine would probably yeah. be Kill Bill. Love that movie a million times. I, I love Kill Bill 3000. Uh, <laughs> What's Kill um, Bill 3000? I was making a reference to Avengers Endgame. Little Avengers joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> no, yeah, Kill Bill is like one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, I would say it's probably my f- favorite Tarantino movie. Uh, either that or Pulp Fiction, but I think Kill Bill's first. I feel like Tarantino movies have that kind In of general, reputation. Yeah. Yeah, which is a shame because they're great movies, except Death Proof. <laughs> but, oh, <laughs> like, beep, beep, beep. oh but, yeah, yeah, man. I, I would say I would say Pulp Fiction. I would say something like that. That's yeah. what I see on like a like people make fun of people like Pulp Fiction <laughs> for no good reason. I don't know. Uh, it's fine. It's whatever. Just because a lot of people enjoy something doesn't mean that it's unjustified it doesn't mean like even if some people are a part of a bandwagon that doesn't discredit the film Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's why i like reminding people to like what they like yeah you know like so what if some people you know hate or like something that you feel the opposite on like if you genuinely feel that way then what does it matter yeah if you like fucking fight club or uh, pulp fiction yeah like, tons of people will shit on Christopher Nolan because there's a huge fan army bandwagon behind him. But, like, you also have to mm-hmm. recognize that there's reasons why <laughs> he's considered a great director, yeah. you know? Like, there's some things he does really well. Like, he might not do a great job every single time, but, like, there's reasons to appreciate him. Right. I would like to see these people with $150 million and they have to make a Batman movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Christopher Nolan did it really well. There, there are people who shit on others for liking Kubrick. It's just like you don't even understand why people love yeah, Kubrick so that. much. People like complaining that like if you like Kubrick, it means you're like up your ass or something. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Kubrick's one of the most influential, like greatest directors ever. Yeah. It doesn't the the amount of people behind something won't cause me to appreciate it less. 
it's what it means to me. It doesn't really matter what it means exactly. to other people. Couldn't have said it better myself. One more? Let's do this one then. A nice, light-hearted one to, to end on. When in a show full of such death, <laughs> horrors, and misery. C. Maya 7 asks us this. How do you feel about shows with laugh tracks? The only one that I actually enjoy is that 70s show. Are there any you guys like? I kind of robot has a few laugh tracks. Oh really? <laughs> what? <doesn't> count. Ironically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ironically. Okay. No, I hate it. I think it's so dumb. Uh, well, like laugh track is in is it an artificial guy there with a button, like clicking the button every time to make people laugh cuz like or Nickelodeon shows do that or something. Yeah, I, the studio audience, I guess, isn't as bad. Yeah, I, I kind of hate them equally. Yeah? Like, it pulls me out of it so much. The only time I've I've put up with it was to to watch all of Seinfeld, which mm. I, I thought was worth it. It is a very dated thing. I feel like yeah. it's something out of the 80s and 90s. I it's feel like, like its a band -aid. place is kind of gone. It's like <laughs> in the same way that people abuse a film's score to try and make you feel emotion where yeah. the film itself isn't really doing all that much. Um, laugh tracks are more or less just hey here's where you're supposed to laugh and there are you know it's literally engraved into our human brains where there's this yeah. social aspect where other people laughing will make you laugh it's like a it's mm -hmm. literally just manipulating you into feeling a certain Cheap emotion code. and it's so weird because it's not like a part of the show's universe it's not like these no. people laughing are characters in the show but yeah i would i would agree that that 70s show actually works in that sense because it is you know it, it's kind of pretending to be <laughs> something dated at the same time you know whether or not right. they're doing it okay. ironically right. it actually okay. fits with the tone of the show but yeah otherwise i would say i would rather not have a laugh track and even in seinfeld i don't even think it's actually necessary i think seinfeld is like a no, funny enough show much that it could exist it. without a laugh track and that's May, perhaps that was realized when uh, Larry David started Curb Your Enthusiasm, which obviously yeah. does not have a laugh yeah. track, and I find much funnier than Seinfeld, honestly. Yeah, it mm -hmm. frees you up a little because you're not on this set. You're not just like... Because Larry David could go like out in the city and to his car and do all kinds of crazy things. It's very limiting to just perform in this like setting, this one setting, but people like it. Yeah, uh, It does well. They think it's safe studios don't have faith in like comedies anymore unless you have like yeah, a laugh like, track in it um, they just don't have faith in it no, i wouldn't like i guess i guess they've always been that way but they just don't have faith in that people will just find something funny so they have to put stuff like laugh tracks it's in it. not nearly as common as it used to be it used no. to be like unheard of to make a comedy show without out a laugh track like a sitcom mm. like in the 90s yeah. and then malcolm in the middle came out and was like okay well we can actually make something funny mm -hmm. Without a laugh track, they're like, yeah, "Oh, okay, we don't need it." Okay, so <laughs> I remember reading about how the Always Sunny crew had to like really fight to not have a laugh track in the show or something oh, yeah? like that. Yeah, I could be wrong oh, on that, but God. I do remember that would totally that. ruin the show. It would completely ruin that show. <laughs> it would <laughs> take away all the subtlety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I generally do not like laugh tracks, but. Does and that's the thing though. Does anyone is there must be people then that like it and find it comforting. Like otherwise they wouldn't do it. I do mm. not think that the Big Bang Theory would be successful without a laugh track. Yeah, exactly. I don't like the show either way. Mm -hmm. I don't think many people would like the show at all if there was no laugh track. <laughs> yeah, it just be you wouldn't really even know awkward. where jokes are. Yeah, yeah. How about talk really shows? Awkward. 
like late night shows. That's more of like a live audience thing is almost kind of like an engagement sort of thing. Although the audience can be very annoying. Yeah, they can be annoying. They have signs. They tell the audience when to laugh and clap and all that. They're manipulating you in that same way. Like, oh, you're watching this guy in his like comfortable environment, but it's not real. Like Mm -hmm. none of it's real. It's just these people brought in like two hours before from outside. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're just told to laugh and clap. Like, yeah, I guess the ultimate thing is it doesn't enhance the comedy. It's just a, you know, cheap way to get laughs, basically. So, of course, none of us like it. (laughs) Just manipulation. Pretty much. All right. I think that wraps up the questions. Yeah, some good ones in there. Cool. Excellent. There's a film recommendation. I guess it's it's my turn. Mm -hmm. Yes, you. I wasn't really sure what to pick. Haven't had a weird one in a while. I think it would be mm. good to to talk about a weird one. <laughs> so I guess we're going to go with uh, an animated movie from 1977 by Ralph Bakshi <laughs> uh, oh, called I made it. Wizards. And you probably shouldn't look up too much about it. And I would I would even say to not really have any expectations one way or another other than it's weird and i think everyone should see it at least once and it's something that i think will be fun to talk about why do i know this movie oh i don't know okay but um he's (laughs) i i I would say after you see the movie we we should uh do a little research on the director uh because he's kind of an interesting character and i think that that would play into the discussion for sure is this like a Blu-ray thing or is it a... I have a Blu-ray. Um, okay. I don't know okay, nice. how easily accessible it will be to find it, but we got tons of time because we're recording this episode pretty early. So if you need to track down a copy. But yeah, I, I own a Blu-ray for this movie. Yeah, this isn't to be confused with The Wizard with Fred <laughs> Savage, right? <laughs> yeah. 1977, <laughs> yeah, sure. Ralph Bakshi, some people might... Wizards, <laughs> yeah, some people might... animated film. All right. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Sounds awesome. Thank you all for listening or watching or both. If you want to support the show, $2 a month, sardonicast.com. Sign up for premium. You'll get these episodes early. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast. Also, we got merch. Link in the description on the YouTubes. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Everybody. (laughs) It was fun, as always. Yay. We talked about (laughs) war. War bad. And Parasite <laughs> remake bad. <laughs> AI good? No, bad. Maybe. AI bad. It's all bad. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.